0: Let's get right into today's episode. Well, it happened. On Wednesday this week, Tiff Macklem at the Bank of Canada chose to raise interest rates. And it honestly, it surprised a lot of people, myself included. I know I called called for a continued pause even just on last week's episode here. So why did it surprise a lot of people? Well, the markets had priced in only about a 35% chance of a hike. And even Tiff himself at the previous press release had announced that, hey, they had a pause in mind here. So why did he change his mind? What What's different? Well, the data's different, okay? When things change, you have to analyze things differently. And 30, 45 days, whatever amount of time between the last announcement, a lot has changed, including the GDP info, which surprised those experts to the upside as well. So we're going to dissect all of this and really kind of explain what to expect in the immediate term as far as what's going on with housing here in GVRD, and of course, what may happen with it now in the long term. And if you have any questions about how it's affecting you, of course, we always love to talk real estate. Just reach out to us. Our contact information is below. So let's dive into this right now. So TIFF, again, after calling for a pause at the last press release here, they flipped their narrative again and raised its policy rate by a quarter point, where it now sits at 4.75%. That's the overnight rate. This is already the largest cumulative interest rate hiking cycle since the 80s. But there might be more to come. If you can believe it, as of Wednesday morning, right after that hike and after the press release, the markets had priced in a 100% chance of a rate hike at their next announcement in July. And you very rarely hear of certainty, like 100%. Of course, time will change. Data will change. We'll see where that sits prior to the announcement. But as of Wednesday, it was all but guaranteed to see another hike in July, which they also thought would be a quarter point. Okay. Interest rates are now the highest they have been since 2001. That is 22 years ago. How many people looking to buy a house or even in a house right now were in the housing market 22 years ago? Not that many. So, I mean, obviously a lot, but again, not as many that are uh, currently looking at homes to buy or considering what the heck is going to happen with my mortgage next. For reference, the last time that interest rates were this high the average detached home in GVRD was $390,000. Today, that same detached home is $1,950,000. That is a five times valuation increase in that time frame. So 22 years has uh, gosh, uh, brought up houses by five times. But again, so how do you pay for that same house with that heightened interest rate? Anyway, moving on here, the hike was done essentially, as they always say at the Bank of Canada, to further fight inflation as that Q1 GDP number came in harder than expected. Surprising analysts to the upside of about, I think it was 3.1% that came in and their expectations were 2.5. And of course, the economy is still firing here higher than the Bank of Canada would like to see. For example, consumer spending was up 5.7% in that same quarter so really big numbers and again when fighting inflation is kind of the main narrative right now and when you're seeing these kind of activity levels not too surprising in hindsight haha that they did this hike
1: it's pretty crazy because dan when you when you think about where wages were 22 years ago they certainly haven't risen fivefold since that time which you know the disparity and affordability as we've talked about so often Probably over the last year now, Uh, it just it it it, it's magnified tremendously when you bring something up like the average house is 390k, and now it's 1.95 million. Like my goodness, what a swing! Um, The other thing that is swinging are bond yields. Uh, Bond yields, obviously, great indicator of five-year fixed um, mortgage rates they uh, as of uh, as of yesterday we've seen a bump of about 20 basis points now looking at about 3.74% uh, this is the highest since the global financial crisis where it went as high as 4.65% so i would expect uh, more fixed rate hikes coming in uh, the next week here. Uh, depending on your financial institution, we'll continue to see those likely head north. And who does this affect the most? Well, uh, the variable rate uh, holders, your your mortgage rate holders. Uh, for every, I think it's about for every one hundred thousand dollars that was uh, borrowed, your payments have increased by fifteen dollars. So, uh, quite a tremendous. Uh, bump if you are holding a variable mortgage uh obviously this is going to affect renters this is going to affect businesses with debt those looking to borrow anyone with a home equity line of credit uh anyone with a you know a anyone with credit effectively uh, this is uh, this is going to affect you and uh, it's going to make it more expensive to buy it's going to restrict the flow of capital uh, all of this looking to deflate and take momentum out of our economy especially when you've been hearing you know gdp gross domestic product hitting 3.1% uh, when at dan at the end of the year it was near zero right? So we've seen a big push. The one thing I will say about GDP numbers is they are typically latent. So it'll be really interesting to see what Q2 looks like, Uh, but we won't know that until we are in Q3. So anyhow, um, I think that uh, if we continue down this path, we are looking at the R word, which uh, I'll let you get into here.
0: For sure. So recession, where has it been? I have no problem saying that word. I don't know why people put so much stigma on it, but sure. Recession has been somewhat called for over almost a year now, it feels like. And it kind of gets kicked down the road as it does, but... Uh, Hard to have a recession, of course, when you've got very low unemployment and and a booming economy here, but that is going to change as it does because when it gets very expensive to borrow money, people pull back, right? If your mortgage has gone up X percent, well, your discretionary spending pulls back quite typically a similar amount, and that does start to wash out into the economy over time here. Uh, and then of course people that just simply cannot afford to buy these homes that are like we just talked about almost 2 million bucks for a detached but it's getting more expensive by the tune of 15 bucks per 100k borrowed every month you start to look at other options and and like Ryan mentioned right at the gate here what's going to get impacted the first and the most are rental rates so those get pushed up because of course people who can't afford to buy the home typically will rent the home and A great example of this is shown in the residential investment amount. And and residential investment, real residential investment, people buying homes, it dropped 15% year over year and is down about 20% relative to all of Q1 for 2022. And this is the steepest correction that we've seen in this metric for about 30-odd years, since the 90s. And for example, when we're talking about recessions, Canada has never seen a 10% or more annual decline in this metric, in the real residential investment metric that has not been associated with a recession. So if we're gonna break the mold, it would literally be the first time here because historically, once you hit that 10% plus metric, you will have the imminent R word coming next. There are other further signs of a recession here. the cmhc and equifax are showing that mortgage payments average mortgage payments are now outpacing disposable income growth by the widest margin on record and for those who have a heloc well average heloc payments which are often just your interest only those have increased by a whopping 50% so the average prior to these hikes was about 600% it's now sitting at $900 so, imagine you're paying HELOC at the rate of $900 a month with no principal pay down. So, with housing increasingly uh, more unaffordable, you've got your HELOC payments up, inflation is obviously remaining sticky. How long can the average consumer keep on spending? Because, you know, uh, Q1 GDP was a surprise to the upside. It inevitably, at least as of today's metrics, I think is going to be slowing down probably by later this year, later 2023, because all these points are pointing to a likely recession. Mm-hmm. That said, recessions are not singular, right? There are many different types of recessions. And right now the data is kind of pointing to what would typically be known as a normal recession, not a major financial crisis.
1: Yeah. I I think the other thing that uh, we should also pay Kind of close attention to, and we've talked about it. Um, is population growth? Is population uh, our our permanent residents too? I mean, we set we were setting records last year in Q one of about one hundred and twenty thousand new permanent residents. We're just shy of one hundred and fifty thousand new permanent residents this year, uh, in just Q one alone. So setting. Uh, records here for new immigration. And those people, they come, they also put pressure on the rental system. Uh, they also are uh, looking for jobs and they are also um, discretionary. their discretionary spending, right? They're adding to the inflationary uh, situation that we have. So it's a very complicated picture and it's not that easy to fix. With that being said, uh, I think uh, let's see how this is impacting some of the areas uh, across the nation in terms of housing. So I'll take a look here at Toronto because it's, uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, listings are now finally starting to show up in Toronto. This is really nice to see. Uh, they're up 30% month over month. Uh, still the active inventory is down 23% year over year. So uh, it's also near the lowest it's been in a decade. So while we're seeing some listings improve. It's still, the baseline is so, so low. Uh, Toronto saw home prices, uh, of course, looking at the HPI, uh, increase by a whopping 3.1% in May. That is a massive number. Um, This is the largest, or sorry, one of the largest increases that we've seen in a decade. So, uh, the market is definitely responding in Toronto uh, when it comes to supply.
0: Back in back here, back home in Vancouver, GVRD I think was one point five percent last month. And to, so, to see Toronto double that pace is really unusual. It's a big number. I mean, annualize that—you know, you're at thirty-eight percent on the year—it's just uh, it should not be raising that no. quick again. And, and of course, three percent is what you want to see over a year, not not mm. singular month. Mm-hmm. But again, will that slow down? And and for reasons like this. Mm-hmm. Toronto and in the pre-sale market and the condo market is, is very heavily absorbed by investors. But the return for investors is becoming less and less desirable. It, it's deteriorating, you know, to be honest here. So Today, if you were an investor and you want to go out and look at the Toronto market, based on rents, based on mortgage rents, current prices, any investor who were to purchase a condo in May and finance that with only 20% down, the lowest you can uh, use for an investment property, you would be looking at a negative cash flow of $1,150 a month. Is that attractive? I mean, sure, let's calculate in the principal pay down now too. You're still negative about $450 a month in the red, after factoring in that principal paydown. So if potentially less and less investors are going to start uh, being interested in picking up some of these condos, is that going to start to free up more inventory? Will, of course, people being even further cash negative now after this rate hike, if they're variable, start to say, okay, I'm losing too much. I got to put this on the market. So maybe those two factors together will also help see an increase in the drastically needed inventory um in places like Toronto and obviously back home here in Vancouver.
1: It's very interesting because you know if if uh it's almost as if if you want to be an investor you have to you have to be putting down your fair share of the risk now otherwise it's not uh it's not going to cash flow and uh, that also you know further propagates an interesting cycle of of well if you're wealthy you can continue to invest but if you're not you can't
0: build wealth either. So it's a double-edged sword. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll quickly share here, Ryan, that you know, when I started this career in, in helping get people and investors into investment properties, we were initially looking in places, uh, well, even like downtown, but that quickly got pushed out to areas like New West where you could still cash flow. And then mm-hmm. suddenly that went negative. So now we're over the Fraser. We were looking in North Surrey for properties where you could cash flow. Then those got expensive and we got pushed out to the Valley. Now you're looking at Abbotsford. Then those got expensive and couldn't cash flow. Now we're looking on the island in Port Alberni and Places like this, like mm-hmm. the ability to cash flow with a long-term tenant, twenty percent down, has become extremely difficult. Now, obviously, there's lots of creative ways that we can get into, but ultimately, if you're looking for a, a simple turnkey, long-term, unfurnished investment property, and you want to cash flow, you are looking in other places. For example, Calgary.
1: Yeah, or or I hate to say it, but you might even be looking outside the country at this point. You know, there are other markets. Uh, that may be even more interesting. And that's a scary thing when you do these things, right? So when, when interest rates continue to climb and things become unaffordable to the extent that they do, yes, we may see, uh, you know, some more available inventory show up, but at the end of the day, you investment is not a bad thing. It's a, it's, it's something that if everyone has the opportunity to do it, they should be doing it and helping yourself get further along. But at what point does is, is, is the government or the Bank of Canada pushing investment not just out of the city but simply out of the country and into other areas that 's kind of scary but and a, and a much bigger maybe conversation uh, with that said. Um, I do want to touch on Alberta and specifically in Calgary because Calgary's been low for a long time, and the things that are happening in Calgary now are exciting mostly because of its affordability levels. So Calgary has continued to strengthen home sales rose by 7.5% month over month in May to hit a record for that month. While listings spiked 30% month over month, active inventory is still down a 40% year over year. So we're getting these little bumps in, in listings spiking up, which is great. But when you look at the overall trend lines, they are, com- or sorry, baselines, they are so low that we're coming off of here. And after prices dropped from 2015 to about 2020, uh, they have now surged. So your average price back, back then was about 400K, and now we're seeing them high, as high as 540,000. So this is posting fresh all-time highs for the HPI in the month of May.
0: Wow. Calgary at an all-time high. That's fascinating. Yeah. I didn't think that I'd was say not, that. Yeah, that was also <laughs> not on our predictions for 2023, but mm-hmm. here we are. Real estate in Canada is always fascinating. So let's kind of talk about what's likely going to happen, at least our opinion on what's going to happen here with housing. Because, you know, if you take sort of that more macro look in a hot market, a 25 basis point hike typically wouldn't really deter many people from wanting to buy. But of course, it's not 25. It's 25 based on top of the 425 we already saw over the last year or so. So it will affect sentiment. And while, you know, our team alone was probably in multiple offers last week, seven times, you know, five to 10 offers per listing, we do know, or we are getting a sense that things are starting to slow down a little bit. And of course, we're going into the summer months. So you take that, sorry, the summer months obviously being a a little bit slower typically. So you you combine that, you couple that with the fact that the rates just hiked, that uh, inflation is still sticky, and it will most likely start to pull back on our sales volumes here. Uh, maybe we'll see a bit of a flat summer, if you will. Now, inventory, like we just saw happen in Toronto, it is starting starting to happen here in Vancouver. So anyone who watches this show frequently will know that we have been sub-9,000 listings for about six months straight now. Well, we can say as of this recording, uh, June 8th at 1.34 p.m., we've just crossed 9,800 listings, so Yay. it's picking up finally. So yeah, right now we're sitting <laughs> at the highest inventory we've seen in seven months dating back to November of last year. It's something, it's a start, uh, but it, let's also keep in mind, people don't typically list as often as they do during those summer months. So we're going to probably see, in my opinion, yeah, a bit of sentiment will be deterred based on this rate hike. And of course, the right now, 100% likelihood, the certainty of a rate hike in July. That will slow things down, of course, right? People are already largely at the top or at the end of their threshold as far as they're buying power. And in a price rising environment, the two are just kind of going in different directions, right? They're going up in higher prices and I can afford less. Brutal, very tough place to be in. So while we saw both our median and average jump well ahead of the HPI the last few months, I think June will wash out with a higher HPI, but our uh, average and medium median, excuse me, may go flat and even start to tick down through the summer months. So I'm only going out about three months here with my predictions ever. Uh, that's where I stand with that.
1: Yeah. My predictions, my goodness. Uh, I do think that we will, I do agree with your rate hikes, your scenarios. Uh, I do think that things will slow down in the summertime. Uh, I think actually they will continue to slow. And I think if the Bank of Canada continues its current path, I think we could see a recession by the end of the year. Uh, like you said, it would probably be a, a more modest recession than something vicious. But I think that the Bank of Canada has some logic here. Uh, at least the the sequence of events that I've been trying to understand and, and trying to, to maybe uh, look through is like, if you think about it for a second, back in 2021, when the pandemic happened and rates dropped to you know almost free for that matter, uh, everyone out went out and got as, as much money as they could, or they refinanced their homes, yada yada yada. You look at typically a four to five year term when you do that, and now you put yourself in 2020, late 2024, early 2025. 2026, we're going to start to see some pretty significant number of renewals taking place for mortgages. I think the Bank of Canada, right now, the plan is they need to curb inflation now because if they can curb it now and start to bring it down in 2024, then by the time the vast majority of renewals are taking place at the end of 2024 and 2025, Hopefully, the overnight rate will have dropped down to something like two and a half percent. At which point, the shock to the system won't be as big as it is today, uh, at five plus six plus percent. People will actually be able to refinance their home at six or sorry at three or three and a half percent, as opposed to five and a half or six percent if they don't deal with it now. So, I feel like the Bank of Canada has to continue to raise rates, break the. The, the back of the inflationary camel's back. And once that begins to actually get down to that target rate, then we're going to start to see things cut. And I think they have to do this knowing that those vast majority of renewals are coming uh, in, in the next year and a half, two years. So I think we'll probably see more rate hikes until that inflationary number gets to where it's, where it's going. The Bank of Canada proved this week that they are not afraid to act. And I think that they will continue with that attitude so long as uh, inflation remains sticky or pesky.
0: Yeah, and let's remember, too, we're, we're in June now. And their last prediction was that inflation would be sub 3% by June. I'm guessing they mean the June print, which we won't get until July. But still, it would have to make a very major Mm. 1.5% decrease in a month to actually hit that now. And, um, yeah, Ryan, you could very well be right. You know, they may be going for uh, this rip the Band-Aid off technique. You know, spike it high, deal with it, then maybe drop it on an equally uh, similar basis. There Mm. are a couple markets here pricing in what looks to be about a overnight rate as low as 2.5% within the year 2024. Mm. So that would help a lot of people, it would hurt others, but hey, either side that you're on, that's currently what uh, markets are predicting here. We'll see where it goes, right? The data changes basically hour by hour here, week by week, month by month, and we will continue to help uh, provide as much uh, intel on it as possible. So thanks as always for tuning in. We hope this one helped. Uh, Please share it with someone that you think would get value out of it and we will see you next week. Thanks.
1: That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast.
0: For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com
1: thanks and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.